Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Winningham. Now that you found us, make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. That way you get all of our old episodes as well as all of our new episodes. As soon as they post, also type in Five Reasons Sports. You'll get the other 14 podcasts in our network. Of course, includes three yards per carry. Five Rings Canes, which is actually our fastest growing podcast right now. Miami Heat Beat, Swings and Mishes as Marlin season has officially started in all the others. And of course, check out our website, fivereasonsports.com. That's spelled out. It's not like the Twitter handle. It's spelled out F-I-V-E, reasonsports.com. We have at least two new columns up there every day. All of our podcasts for Apple and for Android and also the latest breaking news in South Florida sports as well as summaries of some of our episodes. All right, today we're going to get into the heat because I don't know how much longer the heat are going to be around to get into. Um, I was at the game... Uh, as we're speaking right now, this is a Thursday night. I was at the game on Wednesday night. And as I'm at that game, um, I'm just sort of realizing the finality of this, which is you and I have been talking all year long about worst possible outcome for this team, right? This is a team, as I wrote today in a column for FiveReasonsSports.com, that has been half-stepping all season. They've got one foot in the present, one foot in the, f- in the past. They've got uh, you know, one foot in terms of making Justice Winslow their point guard and one foot in, in still Goran Dragic. One foot you know, playing the contracts, one foot playing the kids. I mean, they've been all over the place this whole year to the point, as we've talked about, that Kelly Olenek had three DNPs in January, a month that they really could have used him, that they traded Ellington uh, basically to get rid of Tyler Johnson's money for cap and mostly for tax purposes. So it's like they've been trying to make the playoffs but not putting everything into it. And now here we are with four games left, a team that has not won more than four games at any time this season except once when they had a five-game winning streak towards the end of December, right before Christmas. And really, to make the playoffs, Chris, they have to go 3-1. and I think they might need to go 4-0 and if you look at some of the way that the tiebreakers break. And I don't know how this team, as inconsistent as it is, with us taping as we found out that Josh Richardson is out for at least the rest of the regular season, with Justice Winslow looking as rusty as he did last night, how is this team going to make the playoffs now? Yeah, I mean, really, it would come down to... The Toronto Raptors and the Philadelphia 76ers not playing hard, which is certainly possible. Uh, Philadelphia right now, uh, they're actually not playing particularly well at the moment. They've lost two in a row, and they're uh, way off of Toronto in second. And they're two and a half clear of Boston and and Indiana in fourth and fifth. And so I don't know how hard they're going to be trying. And they also play Toronto, who are pretty firmly uh, solidified into that second spot. So it really comes down to a lack of effort from those teams. And then winning on the road in Minnesota, which I don't think is a guarantee. I mean, Minnesota probably incentivized to tank right now. They're not going to make the playoffs, but Carl Anthony Towns is playing incredibly right now. Carl Anthony Towns will be by a mile the best player on the floor in that game, and then it comes down to that Brooklyn game at the end. So it's going to come down to beating teams that aren't trying, uh, trying to use that home lift uh, of that 76ers game. But as we saw in the Chris Bosh retirement ceremony situation, it could also work against Miami, uh, that emotional lift of a, of a big evening at American Airlines Arena, a place that Miami has been among the worst home teams in the league at the moment, uh, currently sitting uh, under 500 at 18 and 22 at American Airlines Arena. They're above 500 on the road, which makes them, I think, only one of three Eastern Conference teams that's above 500 on the road. But uh, they're not good enough at home to, to sort of guarantee that you'll win those games. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you that they're in dire straits are now. The only thing that's given them any hope for me right now is the rest of the conference is in dire straits, too. I mean, Orlando, uh, they're winning a bunch of games right now. But, I mean, I, I was watching uh, some of the highlights of their game against New York. I'm not impressed. Um, I mean, Michael Carter-Williams is playing big minutes for them. I mean, Orlando can lose to anybody. Uh, Brooklyn is playing in the middle of a really tough schedule uh, as well. They still have to play Milwaukee, Indiana, and then Miami on the final day. So it can really come down to a race to the bottom, which is not a ringing endorsement of what the Heat are doing, but that's their hope. Their hope is that the other teams around them will lose too, and maybe, as you said, 3-1 and one in these final four games will be good enough. Yeah, and I, there's just nothing you can hang your hat on right now. That's the problem. I, yep. you know, I think for a little bit of time there well, was... Well, it's Wade. I mean, Wade's the only thing that you can hang your hat on, not and, not only in terms I, of the story, but in terms of the performances. And, and I can't believe that's where we're at, right? Yeah. So, like, so you have a situation where Dwayne doesn't shoot at the end of the fourth quarter, and I know our John Culler novice wrote about this for the site and it's like oh god Dwayne let us down there and it's like why are they still relying on 37 year old Dwayne Wade you know in game 78 of a season to make the playoffs like I I mean let's go back I mean it's it's been nine years since he asked for help in Boston like Mm -hmm. and he got it right LeBron and Bosch uh (laughs) they're they're not coming around this time and so it's just like you're looking at him for the answers now 
you know, I, it looks like they rushed Justice back. I know he said he felt pretty healthy last night. He did not look good, though. He didn't look comfortable. He wasn't aggressive. He was definitely rusty. I actually thought Josh in his return looked better than Justice, which is why it's a shame that Josh isn't going to be in there. And look, they missed two-thirds, their perimeters last night, that includes Wade, missed two-thirds of their shots. Uh, you know, the only reason they were in that game was because they, they basically got like Wilt Chamberlain-like performances from their sort of three-headed monster at center. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Bam, I thought, played exceptionally well. And Whiteside, in my view, played his best 20 minutes of the season. Incredible. So, Absolutely would, dominant in that late third, early fourth stretch. That was pre-contract Whiteside. That was, yep. that looked to me like the Whiteside that was coming off the bench in Dallas and wrecking things or in Chicago. That's the, that, that's the guy you give a max contract to, right? Right. That, that guy that was wrecking the game. That That's the guy who fooled them, right? And, and, and you know, I don't know how much more you can get that, but he was totally engaged. And, I, and Bam does completely different things, as does Olenek. Uh, they all do different things from each other. And, and all of them were great, but they were the only three players on the floor who were even slightly good uh, last night. And I just don't know who you go to. I mean, look, Josh's role has kind of decreased as the season's gone on. But, I mean, Deion Waiters, what's happened here to me is worst case scenario. And as I tweeted last night, you know, it's worst case scenario in terms of the way the team's playing. And it's worst case scenario in terms of what the likely outcome of this is. And the worst case scenario is that people got hurt, which forced them to count on Deion more. Played 42 so, minutes last night. I, I'm, I'm like, my eyes are about to pop out of my 42 minutes. How many threes did he take? 13? <laughs> it's now, now, he did make five. He did make five, which is a reasonable percentage. But if you look at the last uh, six games, I think he's averaging 11 three-point attempts per game. This is what Eric Spolster wanted Wayne Ellington to do yeah. when he was in there. Uh, you know, meanwhile, Wayne Ellington's starting in Detroit and, and pumping out three or four threes a game now, which, again, look, you either want to make the playoffs or you don't, okay? The Heat all year have not picked a direction at all, okay? It, it, was, it happened by accident because Dragic got hurt, James Johnson was hurt, Dion was out for a while, and so by accident, okay, and then Whiteside missed time because of the paternity leave, and as a result of that, they got to the kids in the starting lineup, right? Like, that, that's how this happened. Mm-hmm. It was not by plan, okay? I can't give them the credit for this. Their best run of the season came basically by accident, but they have not picked a direction, and I'm not going to blame that part on the, the, the rotation stuff. You can pin some of that on Spolstra, but I'm not going to blame that part on Spolstra. Why that's, not? Because that's ownership and management. That is, they didn't know which direction they wanted to go this year. Look, they know as an organization they're not good at tanking. I've been told that repeatedly by other by various people in the organization. We're not good at it. We don't do it well, okay? It's not part of us. Uh, we don't really even know how to do it, okay? We can't do it as well as other teams do that are bad organizations and just know how to lose, right? It's not the heat. So I understand that you didn't want to pick that direction. But if you're going to pick the other direction, then don't sit Kelly Olynyk for all of January, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Um, don't dump you know, Ellington, when you could you could have used it. Look, Wayne Ellington would be playing heavy minutes for them right now, right? Like, no Josh. Yeah, Waiters can play 42 minutes, and Wayne Ellington can take a few of those. Right. Okay, Tyler Johnson would have been playing right now. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and you're, not, you're not getting anything out of Ryan Anderson, which, uh, n- not to pat myself on the back, but I, you know, uh, I got into a brief argument on Twitter when that trade happened. Oh, no, I, I think he'll be a ninth man. I think, like, Ryan Anderson's uh, done. He's done, yeah, he's and, like, you're right. I mean, Tyler Johnson, again, it's a bad use of resources, but $6 million in cap savings this summer is not going to mean anything towards making the playoffs right now. It just keeps more money in ownership's pocket, which, I, I, look, I, I didn't kill him for it at the time. Because if you're not winning a championship and you know you're not winning a championship, then I'm not going to spend somebody else's money, all right? So I, I get it. It's not the same issue I had with the Mike Miller thing, which I knew would crater the locker room because of how popular he was. And they knew it, and they did it anyway. But, but as far as this one, look, we've been pushing for them to trade Tyler's money out. Uh, you know, and they, the only way they could do it was to attach an asset. And the asset they attached was basically, you know, dumping Ellington and getting nothing back for him. And even if they'd gotten something back, it probably would have been a second round pick, which wouldn't have helped them right now anyway, and probably would have never helped them. All right. So I, I can justify some of it. But my larger point is that they have not sort of picked a direction. The direction this year was let's paper this thing over for Dwayne and figure some of it out next summer. I mean, with Dwayne, not for Dwayne, with mm-hmm. Dwayne, okay? And so Dwayne has sort of, you know, he's been the roses on top of everything, right? Like this I, is Imagine if he was imagine better. if like it had imagine if it had worked out in Cleveland and he was there and I mean maybe as a free agent he goes with LeBron to Los Angeles or figures out uh, and like that fence never gets mended and I mean it, without Dwayne Wade this season is woof. 
My God. Oh, yeah. It is. <laughs> and and I, I say this as someone who, you know, I get tagged as the Dwayne Wade hater, and, like, he is by far, like, far and away the only saving grace of this season. No, he is. I mean, again, I, he has I've delivered said this on, and then some. I, I said this on every pod. Like, you go to games, and all of the marketing stuff is him. All of it. Yeah. All of it. They're going to have to pivot seriously this offseason. Like, they got to make it about the three kids if they're still here. Four kids, mm-hmm. I guess, if you throw DJJ in there. They're gonna, you're gonna have to do that because what else are you selling? Like I, I just, I just have to think at this point, they're, they're, they're dreading what this is gonna look like next year because it's been all about Dwayne and we just did what I thought was one of our more fun episodes with Bob Metellus, you know, his, his photographer and videographer about everything that's gone into this and how Dwayne has embraced it. And you're right, if he hadn't embraced this, if he hadn't been back, I mean, he was 90% not to play this season, mm-hmm. according to Bob and others close well, I mean, to him. And Bob tells the story of Chris Paul getting off the phone with Dwayne Wade going, uh, I think he's going to retire. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what if that happens? What does this yeah. look like? From a, from a marketing standpoint, but as you said, he's the, he's the player on the team. They're trusting right now. Like yeah. you can't, look, I don't know if you could have trusted Justice at this stage of his career and his development, even if he was healthy, but he's not healthy. And he didn't look to me last night like he's going to be all that healthy anytime soon. And, and the other, uh, the, the other thing, so I was watching, uh, I, I was, I went back on YouTube. Uh, the NBA channel is a really good job putting together like nine, 10 minute videos of all the games. And I was watching the first Celtics heat game and uh, Dion had uh, Dion Waiters had just made a layup at the other end of the floor, and I, w- I was trying to track back and see if I can find like a, a fuller you know commentary of the whole broadcast. But the Celtics uh, the Celtics broadcasts are going uh, Dion Waiter, or, or it's sort of out of context, right? They go he's a, a little bit bigger than they might hope for. <laughs> A lot bigger than they might hope from. Like, wait a second, did someone tell the Celtics broadcast that, like, someone that, did someone in the Heat organization, like, really have a go at Deion Waiters' shape, knowing that no one in Miami would hear this? And I'm, like, the only person watching the Celtics broadcast because it was on YouTube. Like, it was a scathing criticism of Deion Waiters and his physical condition. And he's promised he's going to come back next year. But, I mean, even even from a culture standpoint, again, if you, the things you're trying to sell, the direction you're trying to go in, like, if someone is that not into the culture that they're just blatantly overweight playing NBA basketball. Like again, it, there have been no positive outcomes from the year other than the Dwayne Wade thing, which uh, will be cool. And that Philly game will be fun. Um, and that, and that whole, and that whole uh, ambiance will be amazing for the fans and, and, and it'll be a great night. But I mean, what do you leave the season with? And now the other thing too, that that's starting to happen. And you got some pushback from the organization earlier in the year when you compared the heat to the dolphins. Uh, mm-hmm. Just in terms of results and in terms of what they've done, but this is their third straight dolphin season. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the the first one was the forty one and forty one. That kind of reminds me of the the year that they won the division, or even the year um, when you know the suck for luck season when they started zero and seven and then finished six and ten, or even the Nick Saban year where uh, you know they started poorly and then Sage Rosenfels I think led them to say or Gus Farratt led them to six straight wins. I forget which journeyman quarterback did it, but Farratt for, 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 they were they were three and seven. And yeah, ended up- and then Farratt won six straight. Right, so like mm-hmm. so. That's that archetype of a Dolphin season. Uh, I mean, last year's maybe the first Adam Gase season, and this year is kind of every other Dolphin season, right, right in the periphery of eight and eight and making the playoffs. Um, but that, it, like, it's three straight now. And as much as the Heat ult- have the ultimate credibility from what they've done, from winning championships, from building the big three, and it's the same people, right? So it's the same people that built it. There will come a, an amount of time that can pass by without you doing anything that it starts to get concerning for the trust that the fan base has in the organization to turn it around. And I think if you asked right now the fans, do you trust that the organization can turn it around? Maybe you'll still get a majority that say yes, but that I, I imagine that approval rating is going down by the day. We'll get back to today's episode in a second, but first I want to tell you about one of our new sponsors here in the 5 Reasons Sports Network, and that is the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg. Find them at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, calllegal.com, or actually call 855-5000-LAW-L-A-W. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and any personal injury matters. Additionally, if you mention 5 Reasons, they will handle your traffic ticket for $44.99 with a new 15,000 square foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami. They will handle cases all over South Florida. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. OneCallLegal.com or 855-5000-LAW. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg, a proud sponsor of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. 
that was kind of what Windhorse was getting with us, you know, getting out with us on the pod was, you know, that they've always been ahead of the game, always. And it just feels like they've come back to the pack in, in a bunch of different ways. They've, you know, it's funny when you go back, you know, I was looking at some old quotes from Riley about how, you know, people were signing players to bad contracts and everybody would be wanting to dump those contracts. And who knew that the heat was going to be lumped into that category, right? Like, it's just not what they do. And so they put themselves here. I mean, look, you're paying the James. This really stuck out to me in the Celtics game. So you don't have Richardson, right? And Winslow's not himself. And you're paying James Johnson $15 million a year. You got two more years of this after it, right? And Spolstra, like, didn't have him in the initial nine-man rotation. Uh, like, he stuck him in there as a 10th guy a little bit later. And the lineup that, in my view, a lot of things cost them that game, okay? I mean, one thing is that the Celtics have better players, which, you know, <laughs> that's part of it. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> but, but, but a lot, but the free throw shooting was atrocious. Um, you know, the obviously the, the Heat did not, the perimeter players did not play well. Uh, but so a lot of things cost them that game. It wasn't one thing. But one of the things that cost them that game was Spolster threw out a lineup that had James Johnson and Justice Winslow out there together. And I just don't think you can ever do that. Like, I, I just, yeah. it's, and and they have all of these bad combinations, like playing Dion with Dwayne for extended minutes is ugly. And it's this is not a surprise. Yeah. I said this in October. I'm like, you can't play the two of them together. Like, you know, the longer Dion stays out, the better, because, you know, I want Dwayne to play and you can't put the two of them out there on the court. Now, Dragic has chemistry with, with waiters. We've seen that. Dragic's chemistry with Dwayne has improved, but Dwayne and Dion were never going to have chemistry. They had a couple flashes this season and people threw it back in my face. And I'm like, I, no, okay. It's, it's not, it's not a fit. Like they know that they're not, this is the whole thing about this organization, right? They're not like Sacramento for the past 10 years until the Kings have started to figure things out a little bit. Like they're not stupid. Like, like it's not, it's not like the heat. So then, so then what's happened? Do they just well, have, well, they just have I, a redundancy? No, they have redundancy. And look, but they, it's not like they look at this, okay? Or at least I don't think anybody but Pat does, maybe. Uh, look at this and say, yeah, this is the team we want. We want a bunch of small guards that all do the same thing. We want duplication in the front court, okay? And I, like I said, you know, Bam, Whiteside, and Olenek are different type players, but you can't play Whiteside with either of the other two really effectively, right? They won't, like, Spolster got asked yesterday. I'll cycle back in a second to what I think went wrong here, and we've talked about it, but... Spolster was asked yesterday about, you know, Whiteside and Bam were his two best players against Boston. So did you consider playing them together? And he kind of dodged the answer. But, the, you know, the answer is he can't. Like, they, they tried that a couple of years ago and or in Bam's rookie year, you know, the year before this. And it was a disaster. If you look at the at the at the per, you know, 100 possession minute numbers, it was per, per 100 possessions. It was terrible. They can't play the two of them together until Bam develops, you know, a perimeter shot. They can play Bam and Olenek together. But they can't play the two, so they have all of these issues where they can't play certain guys. And then, together. and then, and then when they try and play two bigs together, they have to play zone against the Boston Celtics. And, well, that's the other and, thing. And they, it got oh. absolutely shredded. Well, because they just put Horford in the middle of the zone, like and and Tatum too. Tatum killed him. Uh, killed him Tatum from the middle of the zone. Fourth, and and Spolster was saying after the game, like you know, we we had a lot of good moments with it. And look again, you know this. I ride with Spo, but like, I, <laughs> no, they didn't. Like, but I, just they, even, but even the idea. Season on the line. You go with your best thing, your thing that you feel the best about going. And the thing that they felt best about in the final you know, quarter of the game, a massive game, is playing 2-3 zone. Like just, mm -hmm. again, you talk about a shortage of plans and ideas. Like that for me is stunning. The Heat organization have thrown their hands up on playing Heat defense and are playing a 2-3 zone that again and again and again, that space. And look, uh, the the math suggests that those are actually the shots you want to engineer. Al Horford and Jason Tatum at the elbow are the shots you want to engineer. But there comes a point where it's too open. It's too open, right. and they're gonna they're gonna keep making them. And so again, it, it's that shortage of plan and ideas. And I was just stunned that again and again and again they were getting shredded in that zone of the floor while playing a two three zone. Like that's that's Jim Beheim. That's not the Heat. It, it, it it's just again. A shortage of a philosophy for the year of how they're going to approach the year. And they go down the stretch playing a 2-3 zone. And also to further prove your point about Wade and Waiters, uh, third worst two-man uh, combo in the in the team this year at minus 76 Wade and Waiters in 38 games. Only ones worse were Kelly Olynyk and Tyler Johnson, which, okay, and uh, James Johnson and Rodney Magruder. Those are the mm -hmm. only lineups worse than Wade and Waiters together this year.
Okay, and a couple of things on that. One, I don't even need, I didn't even need to check the numbers. So <laughs> I, like I've, I haven't checked the numbers all year. I just I just know. Like yeah. that's you watch basketball, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, you and Spo knows it. He knows it. Okay. The second one is you mentioned Magruder and James Johnson. How many minutes did they play together in the starting lineup before they finally tore that up? And one of the reasons that they play together so many minutes in the starting lineup is because they didn't want to give Kelly Olynyk his bonus, right? So yeah. that's part of. If you look at the January where they were running Rodney out there for thirty something minutes a game, and you know James Johnson lugging himself back up and down the court, okay, you know with his team option behind, with his excuse me, his player option behind him, I, that's. No. Okay. That, I mean, so you look at it now and like I tweeted something yesterday that, you know, got a lot of circulation, which was, you know, they, the season wasn't lost. If the season was lost, it wasn't lost tonight. It was lost against Atlanta. It was lost against Orlando. It was lost against Phoenix. Right. But in reality, uh, the season was never entered by the heat. <laughs> okay. Like it was just never entered. Like, again, it's half measures and half stepping. It's kind of, we're kind of trying, but we're kind of not. And Hey, look at Dwayne. I mean, that's, that's this year. Like that's that should be the slogan of the season. Hey, look at Dwayne. It's like the squirrel, right? Like there's Dwayne. <laughs> uh, and, and look, I you know, I mean, you know how I feel about Dwayne. You know how I feel about Dwayne personally. I have a lot of reasons uh, to to really admire Dwayne that had absolutely nothing to do with basketball. Okay, I've had a lot of situations uh, in my life where Dwayne has reached out to me in situations where friends of good friends of mine have not. Okay, so I, I have a personal affection for Dwayne and what he's done. Okay. You know, Dwayne Wade to do a photo shoot, and I've told this story many times before, but after his rookie season, you know, drives himself from Pinecrest down South Miami to the stadium, okay, on, you know, on the border, uh, you know, of Broward and Dade to sit there for an hour in the heat and wait on a photo shoot when Josh Beckett blew him off, okay, and then stayed so we could go, so we could shoot the photos ourselves with him, okay, and we ended up hanging out with Juan Pierre in the in the batting cages. I mean, that's the Dwayne I know. Dwayne, the Dwayne I know is, you know, showing me texts of his son, you know, when he, when Dwayne was going through a rough period, okay, and his son encouraging him and all that. I have a million examples, okay. I when I was sent up to Cleveland to cover LeBron and the Cavs, okay, and I got I was back for one day, and he called me over and said, "Let's do this interview now, so you get it done uh, before you go." And he gave me twenty five minutes. So I have, I have, I'm not. I have a bias about Dwayne. Okay. <laughs> I, I readily admit it. Okay. So I'm never going to bang on anybody for praising Dwayne, but let's just be honest about what's happened this season is that, like you said, if it was not for Dwayne, they had nothing, nothing. And the only reason they've been able to get through without the fans going totally insane is because he decided to come back to play for a ludicrous figure. That's it. And I don't know what they do next year. And all I hope is that, this summer, they figure it out, okay? What is our direction? Where are we going? Are we just going to be the Dolphins? And you're right. That's what they got angriest at me about was that I compared them to the Dolphins. And look, they're not the Dolphins, okay, over the course of time. Okay, Riley's record is amazing. What is it? If they miss the playoffs, what is this, six times in his entire tenure, five or six times, okay? I mean, you know, they're, they're going to struggle to get to 500, but – you're talking about they've been over 500, I think, 80% of the time since he's been here. That's a remarkable, remarkable record, okay? But over the past few years, they are ex they're not the Dolphins, but they're getting some Dolphin-like traits. And even the Dolphins don't want to be the Dolphins anymore. Well, I mean, well, I mean they, no, but they are the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins are 7-9, and 8-8, nine, 9-7, eight and, eight, nine and, and that's that, the Heat are the NBA equivalent of that. They're 7-9, 8-8, and 9-7. Eight and, eight, nine and seven. This year's the 7-9 and nine season. Last year was the 9-7 and seven season. And the year before was the 8-8 eight and eight season, right? I mean, that's that's what it is. And, and I, I'm... I, I, I sometimes feel like I'm, I get defensive about the Dolphins because I still really love the Dolphins, even though I really should not just as a customer, right? Just like if, if any business served up with the Dolphins or served up for 15 years, I'd be really upset about it. But I, I still love the Dolphins. And so I, I sometimes get defensive about this. But I mean, when Heat fans are, you know, you're making fun and, and all that, like, dude, your team's the Dolphins, like, and, and the Dolphins, but in cap hell, like in cap hell that you're going to struggle to get out of. And people are so, oh, but they're expirings next year. Like, you still got a lot of money wrapped up in a team that stinks. Like Barry Jackson pointed out, it's like the 13th most expensive team in NBA history, and they might not make the playoffs. Like, that is a travesty. And again, Dwayne Wade at, two, what is it, $2.4 million that he's making is is papering over all of it. And and it's been fun, right? I mean, it is the only saving grace of the season. It's been fun. But, man, I don't want to know what it looks like next year if they do nothing, which 
I have to expect at this point. I have to expect that they're doing nothing. Yeah, I don't know what they do. I, I really don't. I, and mm-hmm. they, they do need to pivot to their young guys. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with some of the other media guys yesterday, and I think there's kind of universal agreement among the media that covers the team that the guy who has the chance to be something close to a centerpiece is is Bam. But we're a long way from that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I see things on and, the And what, like, what kind of centerpiece? Like, well, like I, a- I, I, I don't know. I mean, is he... Dwight is he Capella? To is me, the, he to me, the less? only offensive, the only offensive centerpiece that's a big right now is Carl Towns, and even right. then, it's hard, it's hard to build around him because he can't defend. But I mean, Carl Towns is like miles away from from Bam from a skill vantage point, right. and from from like what, and even I guess Jokic is the same kind of thing too. I mean, Jokic is just such a dynamic playmaker that he's a completely unique, player, right? He's a completely I mean, I, I unique player. I mean, he's I get the bonus. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash Miami Heat. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like he's Arvidas, like come back to life. So, so, the, so, so the teams that have recently, you know, have, have determined they're going to build around bigs. Now one kind of abandoned it is Porzingis. Obviously, uh, right. that's kind of gone. You can classify Giannis as a big man because he's basically uh, Bam's size. Uh, Embiid, I guess, I guess maybe that, that's the best case scenario for me for Bam is Embiid um, but Embiid showed it pretty early right I mean I, I don't I, I don't know if Bam is going to be able to get to that offensive level particularly the drawing of the free throws um, there, there was one possession last night that he had in transition was like wow that was impressively yeah. good ball handling but to do that every time down the floor and and have it be relied upon I, I just I just don't know I mean Blake as well for Detroit is, is a different skill set um, and then I mean you look at Utah kind of builds around Gobert but that requires Mitchell um OKC has got Russell and George and Steven Adams, just a complimentary player. LaMarcus Aldridge, but I mean, I think Bam's got some steps to make before he gets even to Blake LaMarcus territory, uh, much less Embiid, uh, Jokic, and even Giannis territory. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. And it's like I said, you know, they have players to build with, but nobody to build around. Uh, you know, and, and you know, can can Bam, Justice, and Josh be the second, third, and fourth best players on a really good team? I think it's possible, but you're still looking, and I, you know, they're all young enough mm-hmm certainly make it if, if, if you put them if you put them on Milwaukee as the second third and fourth best players with Giannis that would be a damn good team absolutely absolutely right but how many Giannis is there yes, and that's correct. the problem There's like seven right? of them. So, right and so I mean they don't have anything resembling a Giannis or a Kawhi or a Curry or a Kyrie or a LeBron or as you even said a Towns or a Blake or any of that I mean they just I mean we, we've done the numbers on this like their best player who I still don't know who it is. Is it Wade? Is it Dragic? Is it Winslow? It kind of depends on the night, right? And their best player, though, would not be the best player on 27 other teams, 26. I mean, you and I have had this this fight about Orlando since the very beginning of the season. Here we are, right? All those losses to Orlando have come back to haunt again. And the Magic, who I look at that roster, like you said, and I'm like, what the hell is on that roster? <laughs> and, you know, right now the money's on Orlando to finish ahead of the heat with the way that their schedule looks the rest of the way. And the fact that they have the tiebreaker. So I, 
you know, I don't would would the Heat's best player be the best player on Orlando over Vucevic over Aaron Gordon? I don't. Vucevic I don't know. has been exceptional. I was watching him. I mean, it's the Knicks, but I mean, he was dominant in that game, and he's for me the driving force in that team. Not watching a ton of Magic basketball to be honest, but I mean, Vucevic has been. Ex- I mean, and I was even thinking like, how would the Heat fans respond to Nikola Vucevic? I think they love Nikola Vucevic as as a centerpiece player just as much as they love Bam as not even a centerpiece player, but a really good player that's emerged for them this year. So. Uh, again, th- those young players. Again, so we talk about you know salvaging uh, graces and 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 also them kind of falling haphazardly uh, into the in, into the kids' plan. But I mean, it has helped at least uh, engender uh, some positivity amongst the diehards. I don't think your your right. average Heat fan is really caring that much about uh, you know Richardson and Bam and 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 uh, and Winslow in, in a way where you actually think that they're going to you know lead you to the next step. But the diehards are, are drawing some heart for this. I do want to I do want to talk about something with you because I think someone. You, Another person you have a lot of time for uh, is Eric Spolstra, and mm-hmm. I was I was watching the game and I was watching them shred in the zone, and we're talking about things that. So you say that those come from management level, uh, you know, justifying the contracts and all that. But if we're talking about a team that returned everyone, mm-hmm. that had the ability to play with continuity from the things that we liked about them two years ago and yet has struggled to find any pattern over the course of 78 games, I think that falls on the coach. I, I think that falls on an inability to find the right combination of players, even if, again, we're saying that it's really difficult with this combination of players. But it's entirely the same. You don't have to change anything year over year, and yet they've changed everything along the way. And and there has been no signs that the, that the stability of the organization helped them at all. I think the coach does deserve some blame for playing a 2-3 zone, for playing lineup combinations that make no sense to close games. And again, we've ad nauseum gone at Pat Riley, gone at the heat of you know front office for building a terrible team. And I think that they've done a terrible job of building this team among the worst in the league. But I do think that Eric Spolstra, in the context of just looking at the results of the year being two games under 500, that is a disappointment. And the failure to figure out any cohesive plan is also a failure of Eric Spolstra, in my opinion. You're listening to the Five Reason Sports Network. We've created a menu of intelligent and entertaining content on demand for commutes, workouts, and more. And by now, you're already familiar with the 15 different podcasts in our network. Today, we are proud to announce the premiere of our brand new website, FiveReasonsports.com. On it, you'll find columns from more than a dozen of our hosts, many who are professional writers in the market. Watch original videos from shows like Miami Heat Beat and Balls Cast. Browse our full merchandise shop. And unlike other outlets in the area, there's no paywall. Everything is absolutely free. All of this from a network that's credentialed from all five major sports teams in South Florida. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's free? We're by Miami for Miami. We're sports on your schedule. We're Miami Sports On Demand. We're the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Go to 5ReasonSports.com today. I don't want to crank up the excuse machine for Spo because he's a no excuses person, right? And I, that is one of the things that I admire about him. Uh, I will say it's not his best work this year. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's been fairly obvious. I do think there are contributing factors. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call these excuses, but here are some contributing factors. And actually, Chris, I called some of these in training camp. So I remember going to the scrimmage up at FAU. And I remember how many players were in and out during that period of time. And we talk about the continuity, but you had James Johnson, who wasn't healthy last year, was out again at the very beginning. Derek Jones Jr. got hurt in camp. Deion Waiters came back extremely fat, okay, uh, and and not really available. Um, J- Josh Richardson was in and out during camp, I think in part, I don't know this for sure, but in part because he was being discussed in trade talks. And that's the other part of this, is that we spent basically not just camp, but like the first month of the season was about a player who wasn't even on the team. Mm-hmm. And I just having been, and again, I'm not, a, I've started being around this team a lot more over the past, like two, three months. Okay. I go in a lot more games. And so I was not around them a lot early this, uh, this year, but I've talked to people who are around the team and I do think that had an impact too. I think that impacts the coach. I, I think that you have a situation where you, it's not just like players in the back end of your roster who might get traded, but like your core guys, okay. May get traded. Like, 
we were talking about is Josh is is, jo, is you know is justice in the deal? Are they going to move Josh? Okay, might they move Bam if necessary? Then you're talking about their highest paid players, where we know Whiteside was on the table. We know they were trying to get waiters to anybody who would take him, right? We know that Olinick was at least considered in terms of giving him away to somebody. So you're talking about like most of the rotation, like other than Dwayne, who they could not trade and would not trade. Okay, and Udonis Haslam. Pretty much everybody else was discussed. Wayne Ellington, we knew, was probably going to be a cap casualty at some point or a tax casualty. Um, and again, they didn't use him for, what, two months of the season, right? Like, what was that about? <laughs> okay. I know he didn't have very good numbers at the beginning of the year in terms of his on-off numbers, but you're talking about a guy who set a three-point record for you last year. You can't get him on the court anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Now he's dropping 25 in Detroit. Um, you know, Tyler Johnson, we thought would probably get moved. So I don't think these things are conducive to the coach. I think the other thing, and again, I I know I'm going to get labeled with excuses here. I'm just trying to give some explanations for why, as I'm acknowledging, I don't think Spolster had his best season. Okay. I, I think also, if you take a look at it in general, I do feel like there have been cross currents in terms of what makes sense for ownership and management and what would make sense for a coach. And this is not an organization that leaks their differences, but, I mean, let's just examine it from afar. You have ownership, which, as you said, is paying a hell of a lot of money for an average team. And so what's the motivation there? And also ownership that's won championships. They know, the Arisons, what a good team looks like. This ain't it. Okay? <laughs> All right? So, so, so what becomes the motivation there? Okay? The motivation is, well, if we're going to be only average, let's figure out how to be average and not pay as much to be average, all right? And so that was the motivation in terms of where, how, what are we going to be able to dump in terms of contracts? And we know that it was Tyler Johnson, and ultimately the casualty there was Wayne Ellington. So it has never been, like I said, about winning first this year. It just hasn't, okay, because you're dealing with that. All right, then you have management's issue. All right, and that's Riley, who is aware he has not done his best work, right? Like he was justifying this. You even... Winhorse alluded to this, that, you know, they were trying to defend the contracts, defend the, and now lately when Riley has done interviews, which has been sparingly and, and for the most part, except for Family Fest, controlled uh, because he did it when Jackson and the thing with Levitard was more personal than it really was about basketball or at least about this team. So he's tried to control the message on that stuff. It hasn't, but he has kind of made it known that he's acknowledged that things didn't go all that well, right? By, when you talk about dumping contracts, you sign the contracts. So you're dumping what you thought would be good contracts or at least you would be able to get value for and you haven't been able to. And so now it's just, okay, how little do we have to part with to get this stuff off our books, these mistakes that I made? So if you're Pat, for a while, I think this season, they were trying to justify contracts, right? We talk about January, all the minutes that James Johnson played when James Johnson is not an effective player at this stage, okay? Not for extended minutes. So all the minutes that he played, Forcing Dion back in there when Dion was not in heat shape. Like, I, I cannot imagine the Pat Riley that we knew 10 years ago letting Dion Waiters back on the court this season. Can you? No. Can, can, I mean, right? even, even Hassan from what happened last year, right? I mean, that, like, his public comments towards the end of the year. Now, I've been kind of amazed that he hasn't made any public comments uh, when, he, when he takes five-minute roles, but you'd imagine he's grumbling behind the scenes. I mean, he, he's got to know that maybe... You know what? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt this time, and I know people say I never do. I, I, I mean, what I saw last night was a guy who was engaged. Now, maybe it's just because he got off to a good start. I don't know, but think of all that was working against him last night. You had Bam playing well, right, which is something that I don't know if that always pleases Hassan, right, if you just watch him on the bench. You had Bam <laughs> playing well. You had foul trouble throughout, which is something that typically distracts Hassan. He's coming off the bench, which we know he doesn't like to do. His minutes have been limited, and he was fucking amazing last night. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he just was. And so I don't know if – I'm not going to say something's clicked there because, you know, we've been through this three million don't, times. Don't get fooled by it. I'm not going to get fooled the by only, it, but I'm The only saying, hope is that it clicks, into the, it clicks to the tune of opting out. Right. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I don't know if – I don't know if his I don't know if his agency is going to be in favor of that, but I, you know, or if he will be in favor of that. But look, I, I I don't know if he's bitching behind the scenes. I really don't. I mean, it may come out later because I that didn't look to me like a guy who was bitching behind the scenes. It looked mm-hmm. to me like a guy who's actually engaged in the process. And I'm going to I'm not going to buy it long term, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt at least for that. But getting back to the Riley point, so you have to justify Whiteside, right? You have to justify Tyler wasn't wasn't Pat. Okay, that was Mickey. But you you. You have to justify Whiteside. You have to justify Waiters. You have to justify James Johnson. We know that Spolster was 
done with Hassan last year, right? Like middle of last year, right? And I mean, think back to the playoffs, right? It's Philadelphia. Like it's over with, okay? The divorce occurred, right? Just still living in the same house. Like, I mean, that's basically what happened here. So you've got ownership, which has one motive, which is not really 100% about winning this year. It has been in past years for sure. And I give them credit for that, but it's not this year. You have management, which is trying to justify bad decisions. Okay. Very proud management. Okay. Rightly so. Again, a lot to be proud of, but trying to justify decisions that you can't be prideful about. And so if you're the coach, who the hell do you play? Who do you play? With who do you play together? Yeah. It, it, and, and it's not even it's not even like you've been given um you know a, a roster where, like you said, the pieces make sense. So the pieces don't make sense. There's duplication. You're small in areas you shouldn't be small, you're tall in areas you shouldn't be tall. And you have you know, people above you who have different motivations, again, understandable. And I'm not, look, I'm and, not. Speaking, and, and you personally might be more invested in the development of players like Derek Jones Jr., Rodney Magruder. Because that's only further like adding to, to it. Right. And because that's what you like to do, because what has always gotten Spolster excited is development. That's what he likes. Okay. That's, that's, that gets to him. Okay. I, I wrote a piece, uh, 15, 16 with him about, Josh Richardson's development and, and, you know, Eric went on and on and on about this thing about Richardson going in the gym by himself and Eric showing up in the gym and forcing him to shoot 300 times. This is what he likes to do. This is a head coach who gets on the court in practice and runs the drills himself. Okay. He's, he's a gym rat. That's what he is. That's a, so you've got that and you want to play the kids and he's also a youthful coach, even though he's gotten, you know, he's almost 50 at this stage, but he's a youthful coach in terms of the way he approaches things still. And so I just can't imagine this has been an easy season for him. I, I just can't. And so we're going to say all of that. And people are going to say two things about me here. They're going to say, one, I'm making excuses for him. I'm not. I'm not. It has not been a great year. Okay. Just, just putting that out there. And two, they're going to say, I'm speaking for him. And I just want to make it very clear. I'm not. I have had no conversations with him at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. At period. Okay. So it's neither of those things. I'm just watching this and that's what I see. And I have known him for a long time. I mean, I started covering the team in 96, which is the same year he was there. So I've seen him in all these different roles. And to me, he hasn't looked happy a lot this year compared to past years. So I just think I think that's where we are, Chris. I just think this whole thing has just been exhausting for people. I talked to somebody. I'm not going to give it away, but I talked to somebody again inside the organization yesterday who's not on the on the on the personnel you know, side. Okay. Uh, and he's not in the PR side, or, so I, he guys don't get all freaked out about that. He's he's not on any of that. Okay, it's somebody else on another side of the building. Okay, who reports to somebody else. And I was talking to this person. They're like, "This just needs to be over. <laughs> it's just over. We need a new group. <laughs> we need a new group. Yeah. yeah. I, and and it it's just you know it's one thing to have the big three together for four years and everybody to get sick of each other in 13, 14, right? Like sick of each other. And then like, okay, we got rid of guys we liked and Mike Miller and Joel Anthony, and you gave us Michael Beasley and Greg Oden and Tony Douglas. <laughs> okay, this is over. This is over. This has been fun, but this is over, okay? Like it's, but like at least there, like there were championships. There yeah. were parades. There were, you know, th- there were- Even as we're sick of each other, we're getting to the finals. Right. We hate each other. They never hated each other. The players never did. Okay, it was never like that. But it was like, but they, they were tired of each other. And they were tired of, of Pat and they were tired of the whole thing and they were tired of the pressure and they were tired. But like, it's one thing to keep a team together, you know, for the most part, for a four year period. That's a team like that. It's another thing to be into year three of this, right? Where it's like, at least with that, you're like, okay, if we just get another Ray Allen or Shane Battier to join us, we're in business again, right? Like, uh, but this is not, this is like when Marlins fans talk about we were, you know, two pitchers away, right? Like th- this, this heat team is not two pitchers away, right? There's, it's a bunch of B minus players, which is why Dwayne Wade, who would acknowledge, okay, that at this stage of his career, he's a B, B minus player, as opposed to being an A, A plus player, like he was for so many years, that he can still be the best player on the team a lot of nights. Yeah. 
because because there's nobody else to compare. And the player to. they're turning to in the fourth quarter. That, that's that's something that we didn't talk about. Maybe we can get to uh, in kind of a post mortem. But I mean, they've been dreadful in fourth quarters, trying to close out some of these games. And you and you just look around and go, who who has the ball in his hands late in games? And it's Winslow, and that's not especially great. And then not a ton of other options. Um, but the, the the one thing that I think we should close with is: Does any of that change if they win four in a row and get in the playoffs? Oh yeah, I'll take this whole pod back. We're gonna- <laughs> Are we we're gonna delete it. We're gonna delete it. I mean, could they? Uh, yeah, but you you and I have both watched enough teams to know when something like that's yeah. gonna happen, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And and in, in general, where the tailwinds are. To me, the other thing, and I was watching uh, Magic Knicks last night, and, and I understand it could be hard to get up for the Knicks when you know they're the worst team in the league and they're tanking, but. That Orlando Arena looked dead last night. Like there, there was no interest. And I mean, I mean, you were at the game, and I mean, heat crowds are generally very good. Um, but to me, the whole thing about we have to have sixteen playoff teams, eight in each conference, because we want to keep as many uh, fan bases engaged. Are, are Heat fans engaged by this? I mean, they're watching the games, and theoretically, there's stakes attached to them. But I mean, is this engaging the fan base? Is engaging fan bases into thinking that making the playoffs is an achievement when really the understanding is we're nowhere near good enough to win the championship like is that really that important of a business you know uh incentive for the nba to continue with eight playoff places because i don't know man i'm watching orlando and i'm watching miami and i'm watching some of these other teams and they look kind of bored with it even as they're in a playoff chase which should be fun and exciting this isn't any kind of fun and exciting you're gonna get me in trouble because i got heat fans angry at me last night uh because you know i'm i'm sitting there halfway through the first quarter and the place is a third empty yeah and and you know they it did fill in i i do want to say that it did fill fill in uh and, and and it got pretty loud there at times last night and i know the traffic is terrible i live here too i understand it you don't have to tell me i've lived in south florida since 1985 okay it's spring break week we're roughly close to it uh you know it I understand. Okay. I, I, I get it. All right. That it, it takes a while to get there. I also understand that everybody needs to eat the first minute that they get there, which is why the, the everybody's at the concessions for the first six minutes and the concessions at the arena tend to take a long time at that particular arena. So I, I owe that better than it used to be. So I, I get it. Okay. But did that feel like a playoff crowd last night? No. And it was a fairly competitive game. Like it was, yeah. It was, you know, it was it was close enough at times because of the way that the Heat's bigs played that you know it could have gone either direction. And it, but but the thing that got me about it and what got me kind of annoyed about it and why I did push back on the Heat fans who you know oh, you getting on us again whatever is that Dwayne Wade's only played one home game after this uh, in the regular season. <laughs> and like if I like if you like we love Dwayne, we'll show up in the second quarter after we stop for some chicken teriyaki at the little food stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, for me, the other one too is, oh no, we we can't hold the we can't hold the the ceremony to commemorate Wade's retirement before the game because we're afraid nobody's going to be there. We can't hold the Wade uh, ceremony after the game or the boss ceremony after the game because then everyone's going to get up and leave. So there's like a. Because you're not in your seats, you know, at the four-minute mark of the first quarter. So there's basically like a one-hour and 48-minute period in which I can get your attention? Like, that's insane. Like, what are you talking about? You can't have the ceremony before the game because there's going to be empty seats. Like, figure out a way, if you really are invested in this. And and you're right. That was the second-to-last wait home game. We've got one left. If you're invested in this and people are, are buying up tickets because they want to be there for this then take your ass to the arena a half hour early. Like, figure out a way to, you know, maybe eat at halftime or figure out a way to eat and and get to the arena and get off work faster. Like, I understand that's easier to say than to do, but, I mean, some of the excuses are are a bit much for me. So, anyway, look, Justice Winslow was asked last night about, you know, where they go from here. He said, how many do we have left? Four? We win four. So, we're going to see what this Heat team has. And I am... Look, I've already lost my over/under. I went over forty-two and a half, so I'm already screwed. Like I, this has no financial. I, I lost that one as well. All what I would, I actually want them to make the playoffs because I have them to win the Southeast Division. I know you and, do, and and all, and all I need them to do is is make the playoffs to win the Southeast Division, and I'm there. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not holding out hope at this point. No, so look, but I will say this: if that we, if they win four straight here, how are we going to be a couple on this? Because we have <laughs> been, I, I, we've bounced around on this team all year. Like we've been really negative. Then I've had a couple of sort of glimmer of hope podcasts. 
And now here we are and we're super negative again with four games left. So what do we do? Uh, do we we issue a public apology on our site? <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna get killed. We're gonna get killed. Oh, you guys are being negative again, and it's like they're two games under five hundred, and they're paying one hundred and fifty million dollars for their team. Even if they finish two games above five hundred, I mean, a forty-two and forty season with a first-round exit, like that doesn't change much. But I mean, I guess it sort of depends on how they do it. Uh, but I I can't. I I don't think they're going to win four in a row. I think max three and forty-one and forty-one is going to have to do it. And I'm not mea culpaing. I'm not mea culpaing when I was making fun of heat fans for being excited about a 43 and 39 season and we've already uh signaled and shout out to Cinco Arizonas for uh for wanting that to happen uh but uh we were already you know underneath that threshold which for me was the mocking threshold so no I'm, I'm not I'm not mea culping if they if no if they take Milwaukee to seven then I'll mea culpa but uh un- until then I'm not going to so what does Dwayne do in the last game if they're already eliminated I think he'll play I mean I you just think, think he plays in Brooklyn I don't yeah, think yeah n- but I I I, I, and I I get your reasoning, but I do think that it'll be kind of like the Kobe game um, where, you know, that final game against, was it Denver? Uh, and he scored 60 and took a thousand shots. Like he will be a feature game. Like TNT wanted to do uh, the, the Heat Sixers game, that final game, but they couldn't work out uh, a timing arrangement. I think that game will be like the ESPN two game on the final day of the season. Um, kind of like they did for the Kobe game because, you know, it's the last Dwayne game and I think it would be anticlimactic if he didn't play. I think, I think he'll be the biggest story on the final day of the season because his playoff chases aren't any kind of interesting. And, you know, if the Heat are in the playoff chase, that only makes it that much more interesting. But yeah, I think, I think he'll play on the final day, even if they're out. I don't think he should. Um, and that's the, uh, I'm hedging on whether to book a ticket up to Brooklyn one way or the other. I don't, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta see if, if jet flu will accommodate. It's expensive. It's not cheap. I mean, I have, (laughs) it's the accommodations I can handle, but the it's, it's, it's the getting up there right there at the last minute. But I, I, I just think he should end Miami. I, you know, he doesn't have any ties to that arena. I, I don't, you know, it's, it's Brooklyn. It's not, it's I mean, it will be a heat home crowd if, you know, cause it's Dwayne's uh, last no, that, game. Well, that, there, will, there will be 10,000 heat fans there. No, that, that, that's accurate. Uh, but yeah, I, I, if he scores 24 in his final game against Philadelphia at home, just like take the night off, man. Like you've got to, <laughs> I, that's, that's what I would do, but it doesn't sound to me. I talked to a bunch of people about it last night who, who know him and they're like, he's going to play. So I, yeah. I don't think he, you know, I mean, he can do whatever he wants, but I, I just, I, to me, it's, it should end here uh, if it's going to end. And, you know, we'll see. I, I do think the one positive here is I, I don't think he's going to be marinoed at the end, right? So this season has been so much better than Dan's last year yeah. for a lot of reasons. Well, I mean, the Dolphins did make the playoffs in Dan's last year. They, but they, they did. And they got they, humiliated they, out of it. Uh, humiliated like no team has ever been humiliated <laughs> in the playoffs before or since. 62 to seven and Jay Fiedler, you know, mopped up on their ass at the end. Um, I, I, you know, it's not going to be as bad. I mean, if the Heat make the playoffs, I don't think like they're going to be embarrassed by Milwaukee four straight games. I guess they could be, but I, I, I think they'll be competitive because they play hard at least. Whereas that Dolphin team, I, I remember covering that Dolphin team. It had kind of given up at that point. It was tired of Jimmy. Jimmy was tired of them and all the rest, but we'll see how it goes. I, I, I do. I do think he should end at home. I guess the only other question is, do you start him in the last game at home to let him be introduced last, or do now, you? In, in the uh, in the press release for for the last game, there was like a D Wade centric player introductions. So I, I don't I don't know what that means, uh, but maybe maybe he gets a start in that last game just j- j- just to say that they did it. Uh, and plus, if he starts, then Dion doesn't get a chance to take eleven threes oh, by the five minute mark. <laughs> so by the under six timeout, <laughs> uh, they're never going to bite us back again. for listening to the Fire in the Pocket. Thank you so much. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.